Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is John 10, 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when the hired man sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired man. He does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I know sh- and the sheep know me. They they know me because as father they know me ju- they know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. And I give life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to the sheep to the sheep pen, but I must bring them then too. They all they also will listen to my voice. Then they will bring. Then there will be, bring upon the flock and one. Then I will give up my. Sorry. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is the is why I give up my life. But I will take it back. No one takes it from me. I give up my life. I have the authority to give it up, and I have the authority to take it back. This received. I received this command from my father. This word of the Lord. Thanks to be God. Kids in the service, if you want a coloring sheet to work on while I'm, I'm talking up here, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. If crayons too. Adults, you could even do it too if you really want to. Uh, so my name is Jake Barnes. I work here at Grace. I co-lead uh, the high school ministry with Kristen. I also coordinate um, the tech team. And I am so excited to talk about Jesus Christ today. So I hope, yeah, I might get a little passionate. Just be ready. I don't know. We'll see. <clears throat> so good to be here. I just feel like I want to pray real quick. So please pray with me. Jesus, this is your word. And so I pray that um, just that it would be conveyed well through my words. And I pray that just that hearts would be reminded of how wonderful you are. So please do this work among us, Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this summer I took a trip to the Grand Canyon, and uh, I did not take that picture. <laughs> That's from Google. Um, but it looked like that. But I was having food at uh, right on the rim of the canyon at a restaurant, and I was talking to the waiter, and he told me he had lived there for 14 years, like right there on the rim of the canyon. And so I I said to him, is the Grand Canyon still beautiful to you? Does it still grab your attention as you walk by? And I don't know, I kind of expected him to say something like, oh yes. As I walk, the, the light touches the edge of the red rock, and a vulture soars overhead, and I'm filled with awe. But what he actually said was, no. I'm pretty over it. I was like, you're over it. It's the Grand Canyon, right? How can you possibly ever become accustomed to seeing that? Uh, But I think that's pretty revealing that even something that's like a a wonder of the world uh, can become so ordinary when we're just exposed to it over and over and over again. And so, Logan, thank you for reading. Uh, We are in John chapter 10 today. 
and we're looking at the fourth I am statement of Jesus where he says, I am the good shepherd. And I think this passage is so cool because it's Jesus preaching about the gospel. So who better is going to preach about the gospel than Jesus, right? But here's the deal is that even something as world-changing, like life-altering, life-giving as the gospel, I mean, that is the truth, right, of life, even something like that can become so ordinary. Because if you're like me, I'm only 24, but even this happens to me, that if you're in church a lot, you hear this over and over again. And something that is even as crazy as this can oddly enough fade to the background. And it can become like my friend who's the waiter, who you kind of stop noticing the Grand Canyon. And so I'm not going to say anything new today. I'm not going to say anything you haven't probably heard hundreds of times Um, I'm just going to walk through Jesus talking about Jesus, but my hope is that in doing that, even if it's just for a second, you can be led back to the rim of the Grand Canyon as if for the first time. Uh, You can be grabbed by just how beautiful the gospel is. So that's my hope. Okay, so let's look at the passage. So Jesus starts, this is in verse 11, and he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, I was a film major, and so I always kind of wonder, or I'm always amazed, I should say, at Jesus, because he's so good at coming up with these word pictures and images, and I just, you wonder his thought process, right? Like, is he, he's like, okay, I want to say something, okay, there's a sheep over there, I'm the good shepherd, like, yeah, I can roll with this, this is good, you know, is that how it happens? Well, no, I don't think it is. Uh, Actually, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jesus, when he says he's the good shepherd, is referencing the Old Testament. I I think specifically he's talking about Ezekiel 34. Um, Because all across the Old Testament, God actually is compared to and compares himself to a shepherd. Like, I am the good shepherd. Um, Sorry, that's this passage. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. But in Ezekiel 34, God says, I am the shepherd of Israel. But he also goes on the attack against the leadership of that time. He's like, you guys are bad leaders. You're supposed to shepherd the flock, but you are actually eating them. That is not a good leadership move, right? And so now all these years later, Jesus, I believe, is entering back into that same conversation. And he's talking to the Pharisees here, right? And so here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. Uh, Verse 12, he says, He who is a hired hand, you, Pharisees, and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Why does he do this? He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus here is drawing a contrast between himself and Israel's current leadership, the Pharisees. And I I think this whole thing hinges on these two words in verse 13, cares nothing. So he's saying, you guys are supposed to be the leaders. You are supposed to shepherd my flock. But you don't care about them. You're like an employee and you clock in, you do your hours, you clock out, and then you're done. But you have no skin in the game. You care nothing for my sheep. 
And Jesus brings up this contrast because Jesus cares everything for his sheep. Here's how he defines that. So going back to to verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does that look like? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, now this is, this is crazy, right? Jesus is saying, I give my life for you. But I want to pause because this is what I call the first Grand Canyon moment. Where, like, this should be something that, like, and I'm kind of speaking for myself, that when I hear it, it should just rattle me. But it's just so ordinary. I've got used to it. And one of the reasons I think that this might happen in, in my life and maybe you can identify with it, is because Jesus' death becomes like, kind of like a math equation to me. So I'm like, well, I'm sinful, and Jesus is perfect, and so on the cross, you know, we, we kind of swap. I take his righteousness, he takes my sin. Every, okay, good, the, the scales are balanced, we're good. And that's right. That is a glorious truth. But it becomes somewhat impersonal. It's like, well, Jesus kind of had to do it. He's, you know, is he just a robot doing God's will? Well, that is not the case. Jesus cares for his sheep. And the way I know this, I mean, Jesus is just loving in general, but I I think back to uh, the garden the night before Jesus was crucified. And if you look at that passage, you see that Jesus is afraid to die. Unlike the Pharisees who, when they see the wolf coming, when there's danger coming their way, they're like, I'm out of here. Forget it. Jesus shows up in that moment, but he's afraid. And so, kids, I think maybe you all do a better job sometimes of of sharing when you're afraid than adults. Um, Like, you let us know when you're afraid to get a shot from the doctor, to go to the dentist, or before the first day of school. And I think it's important to know that Jesus also was afraid. And he knew he was going to lay down his life, and he knew it was going to cost him. But because he loved you, he stuck with it. And I hope that that love can rattle us today, and I hope that that can grab a hold of us. Because what's going on here is that we're saying that the God of the universe, the God who created time, He who is blessed and sovereign, the only King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who clothes himself, uh, who dwells in inapproachable light, the one who spoke the world into existence, who created humanity, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, who clothes himself in righteousness and is near to the brokenhearted, defends the defenseless, administers justice, who is the Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, and describes himself well simply as I am. That God, in Jesus Christ, proves his care for the sheep in that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, even when it scared him, because he cares about you.
That is a shepherd that I want to follow, right? That is a good shepherd. And so the ultimate wolf that we could ever really face in this life is the wolf of, of sin and death and hell. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, says, I take that on on behalf of you because I care for you. I lay down my life for you. That's a good shepherd. But here's the deal is there's kind of like a logical problem here. So if I was, thankfully I'm not Jesus. That's a good thing for all of us. But if I was in this situation and I was talking to the Pharisees, I would say something like, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd takes the weakest sheep when he sees the wolf coming and says, here, have this. Okay, everybody else, let's get out of here. Come on. Right? That just seems like good shepherding logic. Because if, if you're the shepherd and you're tasked with taking care of your sheep and you die, the sheep are now in trouble. Right? The one person who could have led them person's not around anymore. And so, so great, that's so great that, that there's this scary wolf, this wolf of, of sin and death, and it's coming for us, but Jesus says, no, I'm taking this wolf on. It's going to cost me my life. That's great. That's loving. That's caring. But I mean, what good does that ultimately do, Right? But praise God, we as Christians know that is not the end of the story. Praise God for what Jesus says in verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Jesus Christ comes back from the dead. Okay, pause. So here's the second Grand Canyon moment, right? We, we grow up, or at least I've grown up, hearing over and over, yeah, that Jesus comes back from the dead. Every Easter, we get to hear that. But again, if you're like me, for whatever reason, this just becomes detached from reality. And I love theology. I just love it. I could talk about it all day. And somehow, oddly enough, this thing happens where, where the the death of Jesus becomes almost more of this like symbolic, metaphorical thing. But I forget that there's reality, that it's centered on something that actually happened. And uh, I, I have a friend who's not a believer, but we talk about faith a lot. And you know, as I'm talking with this friend, I love to just share like what uh, Daniel shared a, a couple weeks ago about the abundant life in Jesus Christ, that far from this like cold religious system, following Jesus is life-giving, and as we love to say here, it's flourishing, you know, it's what humanity is made for. And so that's all great and true, but there always comes this moment in our conversations where it dawns on me you know, the, the thing that I'm actually inviting my friend into, the thing I'm actually asking him to believe, and the thing that I would say I have hopefully built my life on, is this little fact that I genuinely believe 2,000 years ago, there was a real historical person called Jesus Christ who was killed, put in a grave, 
And three days later, by his own power, got up and walked out of the grave. And that actually happened, right? It's not a metaphor. It's not just some symbolic thing. It is reality, that there is a human who in his own body defeated death. I mean, who does that, right? That just doesn't happen. And, and it's true that a great leader might sacrifice themselves for their people. Like, that is a, that's a powerful thing. But that's the end of the road. I mean, you are not going to continue leading after that. But not so for our good shepherd. Jesus Christ has power over life and power over death. And no politician, no celebrity, no philosophy, no religious system, nothing else has the ability to do this. But Jesus Christ in his body does. He defeats death. He's the shepherd who says, I will take on this wolf even if it scares me and it kills him. And the sheep look like they're exposed, but he comes back and he will defeat that wolf forever. And so it might nip at us, it might bite us, it might make us bleed, but Jesus Christ will have the final say over that wolf. Praise be to God. How wonderful. And oddly enough, the, the place for me that this is the most true uh, is funerals. It's funerals of, of believers. And I think back it was about a year ago to my great aunt's funeral. And what a, what a time of <laughs> celebration, honestly. Because if there's ever a place to say the wolf has won, right, we've lost, it would be a funeral. But then you got to tell me why I don't only see joys, uh, tears of sorrow, but I see tears of joy. And yes, shoulders do slump in sorrow, but then hands were raised in celebration. And there was defiance in the face of death saying, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And that makes no sense unless a human actually came back from the dead 2,000 years ago. And that is our shepherd. So he is a good shepherd. And here's the good news, too, is that he's not done. That wasn't just something that took place and it was the end of the story, but Jesus is still our shepherd today, and he's still working. Here's what he's up to. Uh, Verse 16. He says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. See, this this shepherd, he's gathering together one people. He's speaking to Jewish people here, but he's saying, Gentiles, I'm going to bring you in as well. That's everyone who's who's, um, not Jewish by birth. And that's me. So this is good news. I really like hearing this. But the good news is that he's a shepherd gathering a flock that is not separated by a specific era, by geography, by ethnicity, by gender, but he draws them all together. He's a shepherd who has a flock that does not know national boundaries. He's a shepherd who gathers them all together. All are welcome, and that is good news. And so our call now is to make sure that everybody knows about this shepherd. And listen to this. He said, back in verse 16, he says, I must bring them also, talking about the sheep, and they will listen to my voice. So today, as part of his flock, we need to be listening to our shepherd's voice. And very practically, I think that means 
just staying really engaged in Scripture, like the Word of God. And you know the way that you know your best friend or, or your, your parents or spouse or kid, you know their voice from across the room. I think we should be that familiar with Scripture, that it, it is always with us. We recognize it. We know it. It's familiar. And we need to pray as well, because in praying, we were, we're reminded that we are dependent on the Good Shepherd, that we don't hold the power of life and death, but our Shepherd does, and we rely on Him. And finally, we, we need to be with one another, because this is the body of the Shepherd. This is the body of Christ. And so in being together, we have an opportunity to hear from, from Jesus, our shepherd. So um, that's all I really had to say. But uh, <laughs> my hope is that even if there's just one second, one moment, that it was as if you were looking back at the Grand Canyon, or really you were looking at the gospel again. You're hearing it for the first time. Um, because I think that's, that's what life is all about. And so I hope that, that this stirred something in you. So glory be to God for our good shepherd, Jesus Christ.